0: Coming to you from the Barrier Islands Center on Virginia's eastern shore, this is Sharing the Mic with David Phillips. You can find this podcast on the BIC website, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to like, And hit that subscribe button. My guest today is Max Patton. And for the months of June and July, Max was a student intern with the Barrier Islands Center. This episode was recorded on July 28. Max Patton, welcome to Sharing the Mic. Thank you for having me on, David. Pleasure to have you. Tell us a bit about your background. where did you grow up? Uh, sure. So it's
1: kind of a long story, but I'll give the cliff notes. Uh, I was born in Northeast in Maine uh, in a small city called Bangor. And my family sh- uh, shortly thereafter moved to Moscow, actually, because uh, my, both my parents worked internationally. So I lived in Moscow for a bit until I was like kindergarten age. And then we went back to the States. And ever since then, I've been living in the great state of Virginia, um, more specifically Northern Virginia. And so uh, I went to, um, you know, middle high school there and now I go to college at the University of Virginia so it's been my home since then and uh, it's a good one. And so what made
0: you choose UVA?
1: Uh, So I was looking at you know a lot of schools as you do nowadays Uh, when you apply to school as college counselors tell you uh, in today's crazy world you know you have like 11 schools and they're like oh you need some more. Uh, It's crazy and a number of applications with Common App and everything it's uh, you just look at everything and I toured a few too. Uh, More seriously, I think I was considering between UVA and also the University of Southern California, which is a private, uh, more arts-oriented school in Southern California. Uh, And uh, they have a really great film program that I was lucky enough to be accepted into that I was strongly considering uh, just because of my interest. I am interested in film and storytelling, but uh, to be honest, one, the tuition at private schools, out of state, very expensive. And two, uh, I just didn't really like the vibe of Los Angeles, to be honest, or at least where USC was located um, in Southern California. And I really like Charlottesville, which is where UVA is. Uh, so I went with that decision and I've been really happy with it because uh, I think general liberal arts uh, all around education, you can't
0: beat it. That's right. And it doesn't hurt that you're an in-state student. That helps with the (laughs) tuition too, yes. (laughs) Uh, So what are you majoring in and why did you happen to settle on that course of study? Uh, So at UVA, I'm majoring
1: in English as well as media studies. So it's like a double major thing I'm doing. Uh, English is what it sounds like on the tin. I really like uh, reading, uh, getting myself to read more, and just taking literature classes and writing. So I think English is a really solid major. The program at UVA for that's really good. And I'm enrolled in media studies because um, it sounds a little bit more abstract, but uh, it might be similar to what a lot of other schools call communications or journalism, Mm -hmm. but it's a little more academic at UVA, I'd say. It's very kind of abstract and uh, it's interesting, but the classes are much, um, you know, about things like net neutrality and internet policy. Uh, And there's a few classes I've taken, like a news production class that are more practical oriented. So it's an interesting mix of uh, practical and academic knowledge. And so it's been a good mix of all that stuff uh, that I've been taking at UVA.
0: How did you find out about the Barrier Islands Center in this internship that you're on well speaking of the media studies department at uva the
1: listserv sends out emails to undergraduates and i think grad students too but as an undergrad i got an email last fall about this internship going on the margaret jane dickinson uh fellowship or internship i believe they call it that they were doing for the first time and i had no idea what the eastern shore was what the barrier island center was but everything about the internship and what it entailed uh you know oral storytelling, uh, recording, film, uh, possible podcast work, all that stuff sounded pretty interesting to me. And I like the idea of going out somewhere that I hadn't been before uh, and doing something just because at that time, a lot of these internships, uh, this was, you know, in the you know, a really dark, uh, stage during the pandemic, a lot of internships were looking at remote opportunities. So the barrier Island center being a in-person opportunity locally here seemed really attractive. So I applied to it. Uh, I was definitely, you know, I applied to a couple, but it was already one of the ones I was seriously thinking about. And, uh, long story short, I ended up here and I've really been enjoying it.
0: Terrific. Uh, you've been on the Eastern shore now for about two months, I guess. What was your first impression?
1: My first impression of the eastern shore was going on the Bay Bridge Tunnel to get here, which is really, really scenic. I mean, they fleece you with like the $14 easy pass fee each way, but you can't beat the view. I mean, I was just stunned by the uh, bay on one side, ocean on the other, especially having driven through a lot of uh, Virginia's less scenic parts to get here that was just kind of, it took me away. It was really cool. Uh, And then I noticed that uh, it's very rural here. (laughs) Um, You know, the uh, internet was a little slow, but you know, that didn't become a problem because pretty quickly I started to uh, really just want to explore the area. And I've been cycling a bit because I did that at UVA and Charlottesville. And uh, cycling here with the flat roads has been really nice. Uh, and I've just been really enjoying uh, that on the Eastern Shore. And of course, as part of the internship, I've been talking to and interviewing a lot of locals uh, in a podcast or video capacity. And so I've learned a lot about the Eastern Shore's culture, I think. And it's a very interesting kind of blend of, you know, Delaware, rural Virginia, it's like nothing else. And I think I
0: really appreciated uh, picking that up. Has your first impression been altered by the two months that you've been here?
1: Uh, I guess, you know, I just didn't know much going in. So it's been altered in that it's been defined more and more. Uh, I wouldn't say that I've had any like um, surprising revelations, more so just kind of a uh, Waking up to the fact that people are very, very generous here, right? Um, if you, uh, I'll just give an example. I had was having problems in my car, and I uh, found it pretty easy to get a jump from a uh, friend of the Barrier Island Center, um, th- which helped me out a lot at that time. So there's a lot of, I think, generosity going on here, despite the fact that this area is so. In some ways, I'd say just isolated. Uh, People here are a community for real. You know, they wave at each other on the road. Uh, And so I picked that up and appreciated it. And I've also noticed that there is this interesting, I guess. Um, change going on, right? You go to Cape Charles now, and it's a very different speed from a lot of the rest of the shore, the way things are going. Uh, There's a lot of the kinds of stores you might see in Charlottesville or parts of Northern Virginia popping up, these cute little hotels. Uh, And so that's interesting. I've been kind of interested by the fact that things are actively changing. Uh, I don't know if it's for the better or for the worse, but parts of the area are changing. And so that's been interesting to see, not just the physical islands themselves, but also the, uh, you know, the summer crowd, the people who visit here. I think in some ways this place is being picked up, which is a good thing. But uh, you look at Cape Charles and it's very different from a lot of the other stuff on the shore. Yeah, like
0: Onancock.
1: Onancock, yeah, and I love Onancock. I've actually explored it, and, you know, i got to say they have great food there, uh, and it feels, I don't know, a little bit more maybe like the old I don't, not that I would know, but it, it feels different from Cape Charles at the moment, and if you talk to people here, they'll tell you that
0: Cape Charles has changed a lot in 10, 15 years. Well, it has. I came here 25 years ago, and Cape Charles was a ghost town. I mean, most of the stores on Mason Avenue were boarded up mm-hmm. and i watched the change and we thought the change was going to happen much, much more quickly than it has. But once it started, it has really propelled. I mean, in the last five years, it's changed dramatically from what it was in 1996 when I came. Yeah. And you can see signs of that change even as, um,
1: you know, just, Going to it now, you kind of see the uh, turnover of some places, the signs that are being put up. There is change going on, for sure.
0: Uh, You mentioned a minute ago uh, people wave to you on the highway. Have you had the finger wave yet? They're driving along. Uh The index finger goes up goes down and you just drive right on yeah i've noticed that a couple of times (laughs) and the thing is like you know i've uh,
1: (laughs) lived the like tinted windows dc lifestyle so it's it's interesting to get that kind of um difference in uh welcoming and greeting uh and it's nice uh you definitely you know I wouldn't say you get it as much on the highway. Highway 13 is pretty busy here. But on the byways, you get it. The byways, yeah. yeah, They're (laughs) the good old Seaside, Bayside Road. I'm living right off Bayside Road. And yeah, it's a friendly road. And I, you know, run and cycle there all the time, uh, being a nuisance to traffic. But, you know, people are really friendly. I think I've had like one honk in all of two months, which
0: is uh, a record if you compare this to any other place. (laughs) Right. Uh, Going back to your internship, Has the internship met your expectations?
1: Uh, Yeah, I would say so. I mean, the expectations I had going in were just curiosity because there was so little I knew about the place. And so it's met my expectations in that I've uh, worn a lot of hats here. I've uh, seen how a nonprofit runs, which I think has kind of exceeded expectations there because I didn't know what the Barrier Island Center was. But seeing how Sally and the team here uh, handled the day-to-day business and kind of being involved in that sometimes has actually been really helpful in a capacity I didn't expect. And when it comes to the uh, film and creative aspects of it, when uh, Jim Spione, the filmmaker who's working on the next documentary, uh, the Cobb film here, came down and I helped him for two weeks, that was a very, you know, hands-on, very involved experience. And it absolutely met my expectations. And uh, I got to see Cobb Island as it is now, which is very different from uh, what it used to look like, apparently. So it's been a lot of really educational, instructive time for me, as well as the ability for me to wear hats and actually practically help out around the center. Because, you know, there's uh, the team, Sally, Grace, Kristen, you know, the, there's a lot of things to get done. There's We have great volunteers and stuff. Uh, and, you know, the, the people here do a lot of things. Uh, we uh, get by with... Um, we get a lot done. And so it's been really great to see that firsthand.
0: What about the internship do you think will stick with you over time? Let me say, has influenced your thinking the most? I think I'll. Um, well, I have this dictionary entry for the Eastern Shore in my
1: head, so I can see revisiting this place. You know, like it's, uh, I know what it's like, uh, both the southern and northern end of the shore, a little bit more uh, beyond Chinggatig and Asadig, which, you know, everyone I talk to mentions because those are the most known entities sure. here. Uh, but so I feel like I have a much more nuanced appreciation of it than um unfortunately a lot of people in Virginia seem to so that I really like taking away and uh, when it comes to the storytelling aspect uh I think just an appreciation for uh all the knowledge that people have you know even like folks in their 80s and sometimes um I think 90s that we've interviewed and talked to for the making of the films uh you wouldn't expect these people to be so I don't know I mean if you talk to older folks a lot, they can, uh, struggle with words. Uh, they might not be able to articulate everything, but people have really ironclad memories and are really dedicated to preserving history. You see that the Barry Island center, one of the, um, uh, jobs I was doing the other day was scanning Kodak film slides that, um, one of our, uh, friends of the BIC brought in because they had lovingly preserved these slides. They'd written down on the slides, uh, extensive documentation of what every photo meant and all of that stuff. And it was really great to be able to, you know, scan that in and uh, also just see what life looked like back then, back when people had wool swimming suits or cotton, whatever, um, and went to the beach and, uh, posed for photos because everyone didn't have a camera in their phone. You know it's. Really interesting to appreciate that documentation of history that goes on.
0: Yeah, and that's priceless, absolutely priceless. And the fact that the Barrier Island Center is doing it and preserving it is just a tremendous asset, I think, for the Eastern Shore. It is, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, the. I think the
1: Eastern Shore is uh, very lucky to have the BIC, and the BIC is lucky to be in the Eastern Shore. It's a very... Um, mutual beneficial relationship. Uh, and it's an institution here. You know, everyone knows about it. Uh, uh, one more tidbit, actually, before I came, my news professor, had uh, he's from Newport News. And so he knew about the BIC. Uh, I don't know if he's been here, but, uh, you know, folks in Virginia Beach, Norfolk, uh, Newport, who are actually locals know about the BIC. The reach of it extends pretty far. And I think that says a lot about its impact.
0: It does. It does. Would you recommend the internship as a possibility to your friends or classmates at UVA? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I don't know what the BIC will do in the ensuing
1: years in terms of what the internship will entail because it's such a flexible, adaptive position. I mean, it's a lot of things, but, um, depending on what they do, if it's just like this, if it's kind of film and creative oriented. Yeah. I have a lot of friends who would love to do something like this at UVA and I'm sure a lot of other local schools as well. Uh, and I would also, um, I think, well, firsthand, I, I knew somebody else, uh, kind of awkwardly who applied for the internship, uh, who I was talking to. So (laughs) as UVA, so I can say that, uh, I know other people were interested and, uh, I can imagine a lot of other people would really like to, know about this place and there might be a lot of people also who have that local knowledge going in which would give them even more of a running start so yeah
0: you've mentioned that you've done a number of different things as part of the internship was there kind of a job description for the internship when you came so that you had kind of a an idea of an outline of what you would be doing or has it just been sort of a day-to-day thing you do what's necessary to get through that day of work well, day to day, I won a lot of hats, which I kind
1: of expected based off the fact that I knew this was a, even though it was an institution here, a small nonprofit operation, but the way the internship was pitched and a lot of the focus of the work has been, uh, creative and documentative, I guess, if, if that's even an adjective, because it's, you know, it's about capturing stories, whether they're oral, like how we're sharing the mic here and microphones or whether it's uh, filming, uh, someone, uh, It's very much a creative endeavor uh, about preserving history. That's how it was pitched, and uh, that's how it is played out for these interviews that we've done
0: and, uh, you know, all these stories that have been captured. So what are your plans beyond graduation? You're a rising fourth-year student, and you must be thinking about what happens this time next year? That's what everyone says.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a lot of possibilities going in my head. I can see uh, directions towards journalism and those kinds of. Uh, documentary filmmaking. Uh, I'm definitely a little bit of a free spirit. So I kind of want to explore more independent type things. Uh, so in that respect, working with the BIC, which is a small, very nimble operation has been really nice. And also seeing how Jim, who's an independent filmmaker who has his own you know, astounding career outside of the BIC and with the BIC has been really illuminative to that too. Uh, just seeing the possibilities. I think today's world, especially in the creative arts is a unstable and scary one, but it's also one with a lot of opportunity. I think they did like a national survey of what jobs kids want to do most. And number one was YouTuber, like right ahead of teacher and all the other like traditional ones. So I think that tells you a lot about where the tide is going. And um, so, yeah, I can't say exactly what I want to do after graduation, but I can definitely see uh, doing more kind of independent storytelling endeavors like uh, what I've had
0: You know, the wonderful opportunity to do this summer. Great. Uh, And I think also there's a tremendous difference between your age and my age. And when I was your age, the possibilities didn't even exist. And that's a lot to do with technology. I mean, every kid now knows how to use a camera, Mm -hmm. it's right on their phone. And It's just inculcated from day one, practically, to do things that you're talking about that it would take at least a bachelor's degree for people my age to be able to do just because of having to learn all of those different things to make the possibility of a story. Mm -hmm. And yeah, look, I'm like a tech geek. So I
1: really love looking into all the possibilities. The technology opens up cameras uh, in particular, really exciting. Like you mentioned, cameras on most people's phones are outstanding. Uh, Leagues beyond whatever a camcorder in the 2000s even would have been. So I think the creative possibilities for people are wide open. But also I think as I've gotten older and uh, taken some college classes, I also see that there is a cynical side to technology. I mean, you look at all of the... Uh, stuff going on around now with antitrust and big tech. So I think there's a even, um, I think maybe uh, on what you touched on, the creative possibilities enabled by technology are one of the really best and most optimistic things about it that continue to endure. The idea that anyone can really easily create something. I mean, you see it all the time on YouTube, on TikTok, that uh, despite whatever... Uh, other generations of people say, uh, kids today are enormously creative. I think there's also downsides to the idea of toddlers having iPads now, you know, that's, um, it's a scary thought. I mean, I, I was on the beginning of that, right. But Mm -hmm. I'm seeing it now with kids now and I'm, I'm getting definitely, as I get older, um, I, I get this more nuanced view of technology, um, But you can't deny the possibilities that it opens up and the doors that opens, and that's really exciting, even if it's sometimes a little bit scary.
0: Do you have anything else you'd like to say? Anything we haven't covered? Um... I think uh,
1: we've covered a lot, uh, but I'd just like to say that I'm really thankful to uh, everyone that has, uh, you know, talked to me at the Eastern Shore and that I've interacted with and to the BIC. Um, and even, you know, the people who come through here are all really friendly and nice. And uh, it's uh, just been a pleasure to do this summer internship and to get to wear all these hats and uh, get this very hands-on, very immersive and just educational experience under my belt.
0: Thank you very much for sharing the mic. Thank you, David. And I just want to say, Max has done two of these podcasts as a guest host on Sharing the Mic. Several years ago, Hampton Roads Public Media, WHRO, did a series of short spots called Our Eastern Shore. On each of these podcasts, I will revisit one episode. Listen.
2: One of the bygone glories of the Eastern Shore was the site of farm after farm of strawberry fields in late spring. You're listening to Our Eastern Shore. Strawberries used to be a staple crop of Eastern Shore farms. Old-time residents recall long rows of plants and stooped harvesters with quart-sized baskets made of very thin wood. There would be awning-covered stands throughout the large fields, where the pickers brought their baskets for a tally. Photographs taken in the 1950s in Acomac County show volunteer ladies, mostly farmers' wives and neighbors, managing the tallies. They seemed to be enjoying themselves. Evidently, it was a social event not to be missed. Of course, these ladies would make their own strawberry preserves, but best of all was strawberry shortcake. Not like you find today, but the real thing, involving actual shortbread, homemade whipped cream, and several hours of refrigeration. Ah, springtime on the Eastern Shore. Our Eastern Shore is created by WHRO in partnership with the Barrier Island Center. Funding has been provided by the Virginia Foundation for the Humanities. You have been listening to Sharing the Mic with David
0: Phillips. Produced by the Barrier Islands Center. Sally Dickinson, Executive Director. Laura Vaughn, Director of Donor Relationships. Kristen Dennis, Office and Marketing Manager. The Barrier Islands Center is located at 7295 Young Street in Machipango, Virginia, 23405. The website is www.barrierislandscenter o-r-g. If you have comments or questions about this podcast, please direct them to bicpodcast at icloud.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends and subscribe. Until next time, stay safe and be well.